Thanks for joining us here at New Song Church, where we are helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions at all or just want to learn more about us as a church, you can check us out online at mynsc.org. It's the best way to stay connected with us throughout your week. And now, check out this week's sermon. I got a couple of scriptures for you. Proverbs 24.3, as we kind of complete this series called XO, Hugs and Kisses, about dating and marriage and family, today obviously we're going to be concentrating on family. Next week, we're going to start a brand new series called um, Five Easy Steps to Wreck Your Life. It's going to be great. Don't miss it. Five Easy Steps to Wreck Your Life. It's going to be a five-week series. It's going to be wonderful. Today, we're finishing this series talking about family. Proverbs 24.3 says this, it takes wisdom to have a good family. How many know that to be true? It takes wisdom to have a good family, and it takes understanding to make it strong. Uh, Proverbs 22.6 says, train children to live the right way, and when they are old, they won't stray from it. So you have to train children to live the right way, to live the right way. And when they're old, they're not going to strain from it. How many have ever taught somebody how to swim? Raise your hand if you've ever taught your child, your grandchild how to swim. That, that's a, have you ever noticed the different temperaments of children and that some children just jump in the water? I mean, some of them have never seen water before at all, and, and they don't know if you're there or not, but they just jump in, and others are like, no, no, mommy, no, daddy, I don't, you know, you're like, no, come in, it's going to be good, come in, I've got to teach you how to swim, you know, it's an important lesson in life that you, you learn how uh, to swim. I remember uh, my wife and I, we went to a, um, when we lived in Milwaukee, we had this coupon book that gave us half off um, a resort in the Wisconsin Dells, and we went there a couple of times because it was only like $75 a night, it had a big indoor water park, and I remember teaching, um, um, my, my children, you know, how to swim. In fact, Isaac, uh, who's, who's in the back right here, uh, when he was just probably three years old or something like that, I'm starting to teach him, you know, how to swim. And you know how you typically start? It, you, they're standing on the side of, of the pool, and you just kind of say, hey, jump, and then they jump, and then you, you catch them, and you say, good job, and then you set them back up there, and they can do that for hours. How many know what I'm talking about? They can just do that for hours. Well, first of all, I remember that there was this this, like, 17, 18-year-old, 16, 17, 18-year-old teenager lifeguard. As Isaac is standing on the, on the poolside, jumping out into my arms, all of a sudden I hear this whistle blow. Like, um, sir, that's dangerous. We're not allowed, you're not allowed to do that here. What? You punk teenager, I'm gonna... Like, I, I was so, I was so mad. My wife can tell you, it like ruined my whole day that some punk teenager would tell me what is dangerous or not dangerous concerning my child. You know what I mean? Like as if I'm going to let, as if they know how to parent my child better than the one who loves them most. How many know what I'm talking about? Like I was, I mean, it ruined my whole day. Can you believe that punk told me not to do this with my teenager and I'm going to take him out back and. Beat them like Green Bay beats the Bears, everybody. That's what I'm going to do. Mm, just going to let them have it. Because, because that's my, my son. That, those are my, my children. I would never let anything 
bad happen to my children? And, and, as, and that's why you teach them to swim, right? You, you're going in there because you don't want anything ever to bad to happen to them. You want them to know how to swim. You don't ever want them to get in trouble to go you know, off with friends. You don't ever want them to get in a boat and not have the skills to swim because it could literally, you know, the knowledge of swimming could save your life. How many know that that's true? The knowledge of swimming could save your life. And so we would bring our children into the pool, and you know how it is at first. You, you teach them by not swimming as of yet. You're just like, hey, now listen, in a second, you're going to hold your breath. Let's practice that, <gasps> you know, because when you hold your breath, it's going to help you float. And, and, and then we want you to kick. You're going to lay on your stomach, and you're going to kick. And then you're going to take your arms, and you're going to try to push that water behind you. You're going to try to swim. and Because and, and, we're not teaching, listen to this, everybody. We're not teaching our children how to how to survive. I'm, I'm not, when I was teaching my children to swim, I might have started with the doggy paddle. Of, I, I might have started with how to tread water, but that's not where I finish at because I don't want my children just to survive in the water. I want them to thrive in the water. Everybody know what I'm saying? Like I want them to be able to move forward to go where they're swimming towards. You know, I want them to be able to move freely in the water. So you, you give them all this verbal insight. Hey, Hey, you need to hold your breath, you need to kick, you need to, to put out your arms and push that water behind you, and eventually you're going to start going forward, and then so you show them that, or you tell them that, and then you get in the pool with them, and you know how it goes. Typically, you put your hand or your hands underneath their tummy, and, and they're kind of kicking and swimming, and you know very full well that they're not moving anywhere. You're moving them with your hands, right? You're just like helping them get into the water. And then all of a sudden, you, you kind of say, okay, well, this time I'm going to let my hand go. Now, now it's up to you. And of course, they kind of fall and you lift them back up. Hey, don't worry. Mom and dad's never going to let you fall. We're never going to let you drown. We're going to be here right with you. We're going to walk beside you. And before you know it, after you take your time with your children, before you know it, they're swimming. Before you know it, like, I don't, so, so my, my boys, I don't have to worry about my boys swimming. Like they can go anywhere they want to because I didn't just teach them to survive in the water. I taught them how to thrive in the water. I, I, I know that my boys know how to swim, that they're going to be safe when I'm not there. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to consider that all of the water in the pool is not water. I want you to think of it as culture. I want you to think of it as the world outside of the safety zone of your house. I want you to think that, that eventually you're releasing your children, you're releasing your family members to swim on their own in a very difficult place. In fact, if you're not ready for the water, the water will take your life. If you haven't been trained to swim properly, you're going to suffer consequences. How many know that's true? And if you don't train your children and your grandchildren to, to not just survive in the world, but to thrive in culture, if you don't teach them how to, to live in Christ on their own, they're not going to do so well. They're, in fact, they're going to do very, very poorly. And the Bible says when a child is young, you train the child in the way that he or she should live. That way, as they grow up, as they leave the house, they're not going to stray from it. They're going to remember, no, I remember my dad telling me. I remember my mom telling me. I remember how to, how to do this. And yeah, they might make mistakes. How many know that sometimes teenagers are stupid? 
it, my, my, my second son, Isaiah, he's far from stupid. In fact, extremely intelligent. But he's our brave one. He's the one that just goes to the side of a river and jumps in. Like, just, if he sees other people jumping off a 20-foot cliff, guess what my son is going to do? Hey, Dad, what's this? You know, famous last words of a redneck, right? Hey, what's this? You know, like, okay. Uh, so, so what, I guess what I'm saying is I don't want my children just to survive in, in culture. I want them to thrive in culture. I, I want them to live above the culture. I don't want them to be pulled down by culture. I want them to live above it. I, I want them to rise above it where everybody looks at them and says, wow, that's how you live a life. Because you've seen good swimmers, right? You've seen Michael Phelps. You're like, whoa, that's how you swim. Well, I want people looking at my family saying, wow, that's how you live a life. That's how you do it right there. So, so write this down, just a bullet point right at the front, that the culture in our homes, it must be stronger than the culture in the world. That the culture in our homes, the training, the wisdom in our homes, it must be stronger than the culture in this world. And if it's not, your children will not thrive. They will only survive. You don't want a survivalist as a child. You want one who thrives, just like I do. And in fact, in your own life, even if you don't have children, you don't want to just survive in this life. You want to thrive in this life. And did you know that God wants you to thrive too? Every single person in this room, we have a desire to be successful. Every one of us. Well, I want to be successful. At, at, like whatever you do, you want to succeed at it. You know, you know who placed that in your life? It wasn't the devil. Would the devil ever tell you, hey, hey, Justin, I just got something good. I just want you to, I just want you to be your best. I want you to succeed in everything you go to do. Does the devil ever say that? Okay, yet it's in the heart of a man and a woman to succeed. Where do you think that comes from? It comes from the Lord. He, he puts that inside of you because he wants that for you. He wants you to be successful. He doesn't want you just to, to survive. He wants you to thrive in this life. And yet, when we leave these doors this morning, we are being placed in culture that wants to pull us down from the things of God and think thoughts that we were never supposed to think and say things that we were never supposed to say and do things that we were never supposed to do. This is culture culture. And if it is not stronger, if the culture of our homes is not stronger than, than the culture of this world, our children, our grandchildren, they have a very difficult road ahead of them. And I'm going to teach you this morning just three simple concepts, how to change the culture in your home, how to have a Christ-centered home. Uh, uh, let, let me say it like this. My wife and I, we are very, very, we, we, we are very aware of the culture of our home. 
We, 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 uh, we think about it a lot. We talk about it a lot. Maybe we don't word it like that, but, but we know when things aren't right. We know when things are really well. Like, we just, have, we just have this sense. We know when, in fact, one of our children a while ago, this is years ago now, um, one of our kids was just, I don't know, I don't know what they were thinking. <laughs> I just don't know what they were thinking. And they would just kind of suck the life out of everybody else in the home. And eventually I pulled that child aside and said, hey, listen, you're not going to do that anymore. Like, like we're, go- we're choosing joy. We're choosing life. We're choosing happiness. And, and you're not going to keep saying those things. You're not going to keep being pessimistic and negative. We just don't allow that in our home. You're not going to take control of our home. Like, it's going to be joyful. So you can either join us as we just love life, or you can be a miserable wreck. Which are you going to choose? Now, when you say it like that, all of a sudden, it just kind of clicked. Oh, yeah, I don't want to be miserable. Well, why don't you hang with us then? Why don't you go where we're going? Why don't you learn from us? Why don't you choose joy? Why don't you choose optimism? Because that's what we want in our home. That's, what, that's the way we're going to live life. And it's one of those things like, I'll be dadgum if you're going to take us from it. You know what I'm talking about, everybody? Like sometimes, you know, you just have to draw a line and just say, hey, this is where we're going as a family. And we pay attention to the culture of our home. So we're trying to teach our children lessons not just verbally, but in every area of our life that they can follow and say, hey, one thing about mom and dad, they knew how to live life. Not that we got it all right. They know that, they trust me, nobody knows our imperfections as much as our children. It's the truth. And I tell people, and we do this in our home too, when you, when you mess up, just own up. If you mess up in front of your children, don't let pride get in the way. Just go to your child and say, you know what? I messed up. I'm sorry. I'm going to try not to do that anymore. Would you, would you forgive me? And you know, when I've asked my children for forgiveness, they've never said no. They've always said yes. And, and usually it finishes with a big hug. See what I'm talking about? Just honesty. Just, just live it in front of your children. And when you mess up, just own up. So Christ-centered homes, how to change the culture of your home. Now, this one is, uh, is pretty, pretty easy, and I think everybody in this room needs to hear this one. Write this down. More talk. More talk and less technology. Write that down. You know, there, there are things that we teach in in church today that, that my dad never would have thought we would have had to say as pastors. This is something that they weren't talking about 20 years ago, but we have to talk about it today. More talk and less technology. And you say, well, that's not in the Bible. Come on, people. Of course it's in the Bible. Of course it's in the Bible. It, meaning this, everybody. In fact, let's look at just a couple of places that I have for you. Ephesians 4.29. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who, what? Those who listen. So in a home, there should be, what this verse is saying, communication. There should be some people listening 
and there should be some people talking. And the ones who are talking are supposed to be building up the ones who are listening. And the ones who are listening are supposed to be receiving encouragement from the ones who are talking. But if you don't talk, you can't do that. And that makes sense, right? Like, if you don't talk, you can't encourage, you can't strengthen, you can't be built up if nobody's talking, if nobody is communicating. So, so let me tell you how this happens in our, in fact, we just did it yesterday, not because I was planning to preach this today, but yesterday we went out with uh, three of our four children. One of them wasn't able to go. He was working. And, and uh, as we started the, the drive, we went to go visit family in Valparaiso. We have a little niece that's just very young now, and we went to go visit her and, and really some other family members. And um, as we get into the car, I just tell my children, hey, phone's down. We're going to talk today. We're, we're going we're gonna to have fun today as a family. We're going to have fun. And you know what happens when you just put your phones away? You can talk. It's amazing, everybody. And then you get to hear what your kids are thinking. You get to hear what they're going through. You, you get to hear what they're, they're facing, what they're up against, what they need help from, what, what they need instruction about. You can encourage them. You can love on them for a little while. But we just make it rules. Hey, phone's down, everybody. Like when, when we're, when, in fact, we limit, we limit the amount of time that our children spend on their phones. They have phones. We just limit the time because we, we want to be a family that talks. We want to be a family that communicates. And so we just have specific times of the day. Hey, now's the time to talk to your friends, but you're not talking to your friends while we're eating dinner. And you're not talking to your friends between, you know, like six o'clock at night and nine o'clock at night. That's family time. And then you can send out, you can respond to your text or whatever before you go to bed, but you're not going to stay up until midnight doing it either. How many know parents should be parents in this generation? We should just be parents. We should be living for their good. So, so our, children, our children do not dictate the culture of our home. That is my job to do that. I'm the, I'm the father. I'm the priest of my home. So it's up to me to dictate culture in my home. Do my kids always like it? No. <laughs> no. And I just laugh and say, sorry. <laughs> I love you. Sorry. But, they, but one thing my kids know, they know that I'm living for their good. They know that I want to spend time with them, that I, I long to spend time with them, that I love them, that they're a treasure to me. And, they, and they're not rebelling against it, everybody, because we are in relationship with our children. We're in relationship with our children. You need to talk. You need to put down the phones. Moms and dads, it's not just the kids. We need to put down our phones, our tablets. We need to pull the earplug, the, the, the earphones out of our ears. And we need to live it in front of them. It's good stuff, isn't it? Now, it doesn't stop there. Let's look at Jude chapter, I'm sorry, Jude, verse 20, 21. There's no chapter there. It's just the, the book of Jude, verses 20, 21. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Did you know? that every single day of your life, you are supposed to pray in the Holy Spirit. 
It's hard, it's hard to pray in the Spirit when you have this going on. It's hard to pray in the Spirit when, when you're texting people nonstop, when your phone is continually dinging. It's hard to pray in the Spirit, isn't it? It's hard to cover your family in prayer by, by words and thoughts spoken to you by the Spirit of God when you are consumed with technology yourself. So I'm not just saying, hey, listen, you need, to, you need to help your kids out and teach them to put down their phones. But moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas, you need to put down your phone. Can I, can I tell you something that just drives Jennifer and I crazy? Now, this hasn't happened in a long time, and, and, and yet it has happened multiple times. When people will invite my wife and I out to dinner, and, or we'll invite them out to dinner, and we're, we're with them, and that person across the table is just constantly being, oh, just, being, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and they're constantly looking at their phone. Is anybody else, does that drive anybody else nuts in the room? Listen, <laughs> he said, hand on the bill. Um, can, I, can I tell you this? That's just rude. It's just rude. Can we just say it like it is? And, and the very best place that you could be in the moment is in the moment. And so we have a rule at our house. When, when, we're sit, when we're eating dinner, I don't care if it's out or in, phones get shut off. We don't let people interrupt us. In fact, um, there are times where we just, we just shut off our phones for an extended period of time and just say, nah, we're just not going to do it. And when we're meeting with somebody, it's, it's phones are off because you have our full attention. And I'm telling you, that is not what culture is teaching you today. And yet, can I tell you something? We are meant to, to be in relationship with others, building them up in the faith, strengthening them in the faith. And if you're attached to your technology, it's going to be practically impossible for you to do that. Everybody, we need to take a break from technology. And, and we need to, well, I, I should, I'm going to stop right there. You know what I'm saying though, right? More talk, less technology. Let's say that together. More talk, less technology. Let's say it one more time. More talk, less technology. How many would agree with that this morning? All right, all right. Number two, you need to focus on commitment and not convenience. You need to focus on commitment and not convenience. Colossians 3, 23 and 24 says this, work willingly at whatever you do as though you are working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is actually Christ. So remember that, that the Lord will give you an inheritance and that your master is Christ. So, so where, why do we get an inheritance from the Lord? What is, one of, what is one of the ways that we get an inheritance from the Lord? By working willingly. You could, the, 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 the better word, I think, they don't get this right. The better word, I believe, is heartily. Working heartily. Putting your whole heart into it as under the Lord. And the Bible says you're going to get a reward for that. I, I want to tell you something. That if you do that, it takes commitment. 
and it will not be convenient. Working heartily is not convenient. It takes a commitment to do that. Can I tell you, uh, moms and dads in this room, parenting is a lot of work. I get it. I have four children. Trust me, I know. It's a lot of work. Parenting is not convenient. And yet a lot of parents in today's culture, they're, they're, letting, they're letting Disney raise their children. As they're sitting in front of a television, watching TV all day, because the television has now become the babysitter. Now, is it wrong for your children to watch movies? No, I'm not saying that. Our, our kids have seen probably most Disney movies. I'm not against movies. But I've always, been, I've, I've always realized that it's not the television's job to raise my child, that, that it might be inconvenient to be a parent sometimes, but we're parents. We're parents, and we live for the good of our children. We live for their good. And so that takes a commitment. It takes a commitment to say, you know what? My number one priority today is to be the best parent I can be, is to be the, 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 the best person I can be as I raise this child, train this child in the way that he or she should go, knowing that one of these days I get a reward for that. One of these days I get to see the benefit of, and it might cost me something now, but how many know that our children are worth it? It might cost us something now, but your children are worth it. They're worth the fight. They're worth the inconvenience. They're worth the commitment that it takes in your life. Now, the, 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 there, there have been multiple times where my wife and I have said, we just need a break. Hey, kids, go watch a movie. I got no problem with that, everybody. I got no problem with that. And that's not what I'm saying. You guys know what I'm saying. If your child is watching television eight, ten hours a day, something's not right. Something's just not right. Because you're letting culture train your child. And I just, I just don't think that's culture's job. It's my job as a parent. How many would agree with me? You know that to be true. I just need your support in this. Moms and dads, you're doing a great job. I'm not saying you're not doing a great job. And, and I'm, not, I'm certainly not trying to put you down. What I am trying to say is, hey, let's live life with a commitment towards our children that we're going to give them our very best at all times because they deserve it. And I know you want to because you love your children. And you would never do anything to hurt your children. Maybe this is just a reminder for you. That parenting is not always convenient. And it was never meant to be convenient. But it's always worth it. Children are always a blessing from the Lord. Let's give our kids our very best. Amen? If you agree with that, say amen. Amen. Galatians 6, 9. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. Moms and dads, don't get weary in doing good. When you're like, I'm just so exhausted, take a break. Take, call, call grandma and have her watch the kids and take the day off, but don't become weary in doing good. 
keep at it because they're worth it. And number three, to change the culture in our home, we have to have more talk and less technology. We have to focus on commitment and not convenience. And then we have to have a fixed faith and not a feel-good faith. We have to have a fixed faith and not a feel-good faith. Remember the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and how King Nebuchadnezzar made this decree and he said, hey, when you hear these sounds, you're supposed to you know, pretty much bow towards me and, and they, just wouldn't, they just wouldn't do it. And we read this in Dan, Daniel chapter 3. If you've never read the story, it's a great story. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, Daniel 3.16, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, which was the discipline of whoever didn't do what the king said to do. They said, they, they said, if we are thrown into this blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. Do you see the faith there? Yes or no? But even if he does not, like we're not sovereign, we're not omnipotent, we, we are not all-knowing, we don't know what the future holds for us. We are fully trusting God, and yet we don't know what the future holds for us. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up because we have fixed faith fixed faith. There, there are people in this culture that have fine faith that is not fixed faith. Fine faith is they love Jesus when everything is fine. But the Bible never calls us to have fine faith. It calls us to have fixed faith. Fixed faith. It is not a feel-good faith. Because if, if Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had feel-good faith, this is a not-so-feel-good moment, isn't it? And they, they would have melted. They would have said, okay, okay, we'll do it. We'll do it. We'll bow to the, to the, to the image. We'll, we'll go ahead and pray to your God. If they didn't have a fixed faith, they would have succumbed to the temptation. But they didn't have a feel-good faith. They had a fixed faith that said, whether it's a, a great day, we're gonna praise God. But even if it's a bad day, we're still gonna praise God. We're still gonna walk with God. Like nothing changes that. We're going to trust God at all times. Everybody listen to your pastor. This is one of the greatest things that I could tell you in this day. That your children, your grandchildren, your loved ones, they need to see you. Your family needs to see you have a fixed faith, a fixed faith that no matter what, I am the Lord. I, I am with the Lord and he's with me. I belong to the Lord and he loves me. You could say it this way, I am my beloved's and he is mine. On the good days, and on the bad days, we're following Jesus. On the good days and on the bad days, we're going to be people of integrity. 
on the good days and on the bad days, we're going to give Jesus our all. We're going to worship him. We're going to trust him. We're going to bless him with all that we have. So one, one thing that I know my children know about me is I'm never walking away from the Lord. They know it. Because the, the word of God and my relationship with the Lord and knowing his character and knowing his nature is at the center of every decision that I make. I have a fixed faith in the Lord. It's not a feel-good faith. I, I'm going to go deeper here. Part of my fixed faith, everybody listen up, part of my fixed faith is that my children are going to see their dad in church worshiping Jesus, building relationships with other believers and encouraging one another in the faith. And they're going to see me serving Jesus. They're going to see me sweating it out on a mission trip. And they're going to see me sweating it out right here in Plymouth. They're going to see me ministering to others, caring for others, praying for others, going to the hospital to visit others. They're going to see a fixed faith in me. And can I tell you something else? I would do those things whether I'm a pastor or not. I do those things not because I'm a pastor. I do those things because I'm a Christian, because I love God and I love people. And my children know that dad has a fixed faith that he doesn't take his relationship with the Lord for granted. That he's not flipping about his relationship with the Lord. That it's serious to him. And he gives Jesus all he has. That's the legacy I want my kids to know. I, I want them to see that in me. You know, you know, my dad went to be with Jesus a couple of months ago. And he had a fixed faith. Fixed faith. We knew when we asked a question, we weren't getting a dad's answer. We were getting a biblical answer through dad. Sometimes he wouldn't even answer us. My mom was the worst at that. He would say, what does the Bible say? Oh, I hated that. Just tell me, mom, we'll look it up. <laughs> One thing about my mom and my dad, fixed faith. N nothing's taking them from the Lord Jesus. No nothing distracted them. Nothing, nothing kept them away from a relationship with our Heavenly Father. Do you have a fixed faith? Do you, do you go to your children and your children wake up on a sudden, I don't want to go to church. Hey, I don't care, buddy. I'm your dad. I'm your mom. We go to church. We worship Jesus. I don't care if you feel like it today or not. We're going to be in church. Come on, everybody. You should have amen me right there. Can I tell you, we have, we have way too many Christians in America that have a feel-good faith. Their faith is fine when everything is fine. But our faith needs to be fixed. Would you stand up with me this morning? And when you do that, new song, when you fix your faith on Jesus, when you fix your faith on Jesus, 
Your, your family will see it. They will see it. They'll know it. And it will change the culture in your home. When, when, when television programs are coming on and you know that they're not going to be godly and you just shut them off, how many know that that changes the culture in your home? Some people came up to me and said, could you believe what that Super Bowl halftime show was like? I said, yeah. You see it? Nope. I, I knew what it was going to be like. Of course I knew what it was going to be like. So guess what? We just didn't watch it. That's culture. You see it now, everybody? It's culture. It, it's telling my, my, my daughters, hey, you don't need to do that to get the attention of a man. Your godliness will get the attention of the right man at the right time. Boys, you don't need to look at that garbage because that isn't going to help you become men of God. And because we have a fixed faith, we don't watch that. We shut that off. You see what I'm talking about, everybody? I'm talking about culture in your house. Culture in your house. And when you have a fixed faith, you'll change the culture in your home over the big things and over the little things. And I'm going to pray with us today that that would just be a decision that all of us would make. Would you bow your heads with me? If you've never fixed your faith on Jesus at all, you're saying, boy, right now, I just, I don't even have faith in Jesus. You've never trusted him as Savior. You've never gone to the Lord Jesus Christ and said, Jesus, would you forgive me of my sins? I'm ready to be a follower. I'm ready to follow after you. I'm ready to surrender after you. Before we go any further, with nobody looking around, could you just raise up your hand really, really high? Let me see who you are. All right. Several hands. You can put your hands down. So proud of you. So proud of you. Now, for those in this room that, that you realize that you, the culture in your family needs to change and that you have made mistakes and you've allowed things that you shouldn't allow and, and you have, have not done things that you should have and you're saying today, hey, listen, I'm, I'm, I am... I'm going to go home and I'm going to change the culture of my family. And you're making a commitment today with nobody looking around. Again, just raise your hand really high. Let me pray for you too. Yeah, lots of people. Lots of people. All right. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, first of all, we thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus. And for those that raised their hands this morning said they've never trusted you as Savior. Jesus, we come before you acknowledging you as Lord, as Savior of all. We believe in you, Jesus. We believe in, in the cross. We believe that you shed your blood for our sins. We believe in the resurrection. And we believe that you are the Savior of the world, that you are Lord. And we confess our need for you. We confess that we are sinners in need of a Savior. And we're asking you right now, Jesus, save me. Come into my life and change me and help me to be who you've called me to be. Today, Jesus, I surrender to you. I surrender.
Empower me to follow you all of the days of my life and to have a fixed faith, I pray. I thank you that right now I'm made new in your eyes, in your sight. The old is gone and the new has come. I am forgiven. I am washed clean. And I'll never be the same again. And I thank you for it. Now, Lord, there's a lot of other people here in this room, me included, Father, that we're choosing this day to have a fixed faith. That we're choosing to change the culture in our family. We're choosing... We're choosing you. We're choosing your presence. We're choosing your word. We're choosing obedience. We're choosing integrity. We're choosing you. And we realize, Lord, that we are not to just survive in this culture, but we are meant to thrive. We are meant to live a difference, to make a difference, that when people look at us, they would look at us and say, that's how you live a life. Lord, we choose you. We choose your word, your truth. We, we reject what the enemy would teach us. We reject the way the culture is going. That if it feels good, just do it. We reject that. And we embrace holiness. And we embrace integrity and righteousness for, the, for, for, for our benefit, Lord, and for the benefit of your kingdom. We ask you, empower us by your spirit to live the lives that we are called to live for the glory of your name, for the benefit of our family. Lord, change us. And today, speak to us about what we need to give up, about what we need to turn away from, and teach us what we need to embrace. Teach us where we need to go, what we need to say, what we need to do. Today, Father, we choose you. We fix our faith and our eyes upon you. And we pray, Father, that our families, all of our family members, would love you and serve you all of their days. And if they are away from you right now, Lord, we call them back. We pray, God, have mercy upon them. And may they come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Have mercy upon them, we pray, Father. And we pray it all in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life, and we would love to continue on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to mynsc.org connect. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones that God is using to truly make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope you tune in next week.